Welcome back to another episode of the Infertility Feelings Podcast. I am Jesse Brown with Doug Brown, and we are here with another episode. And we're just excited, like I always am every time we start a podcast, just excited. I have to get amped to do these things. So that's the feeling that I feel the most is just excitement. Why do you feel like you need to get so amped? Because I feel like with a podcast, all you have is your voice. People mm. don't see you. People aren't looking at your body language. People have no idea that I still have my PJs on right now. You know what I mean? So it's like I need to convince them with my energy in my voice that I am amped. You're just over the top amped. I'm just amped. Well, we, you, That's should, all I have. you should be amped because today we have a really interesting topic that we're we talking do. about. Something very important. Something that really affects everyone. And it is... Um, Bird migration. No, I'm just joking. That's not People one. are obsessed with birds. Do you know that? <laughs> There's no way that many people are obsessed yes, with birds. Yes, there are people that are deeply obsessed with birds. I'm like for it. I'm like, good. Did you know when awesome. I was younger, we had a bird, not just like a bird cage, like a bird house, like a full on walk in bird house. Is that what you called it? Bird house? Bird. What else would you call it? Atrium. A bird condo. A bird condo. <laughs> Here's my here's my bird mansion. Here's my bird condo. <laughs> I don't think it would be a bird condo, but um, oh, but we did have one of those. I think a lot of people have birds, like parakeets. My great grandma, things like that, for entertainment in her nursing home, they mm -hmm. had a bird atrium in the middle of their nursing home, and they would roll them all out there, and they would just stare at the birds, and they were so happy looking that, I at mean, that, birds. I, that is kind of I I'd like to spend my golden years just looking at birds. I know before cell phones, it was just birds. <laughs> And they were lovebirds and like parakeets. It was like the cutest thing ever. Birds are uh, making a comeback is what we're trying to say. 2021. Right. So let's get back to topic. We need some transition. Let's drop some music. How about I do it myself? Okay, today we really do have an important topic because I think it affects everyone, it affects us, and as we are going through our journey of infertility, or we know people going through our, their journey of infertility, a topic comes up naturally, but we don't know, I don't know if we talk about it enough, and that is the question that we have for us today. The question is, does infertility affect you for the rest of your life? Because we know that it affects you now, but does it affect you for the rest of your life? Let me clarify one question. Let me clarify that and then I'll ask you, Jesse. What I mean by affect you for the rest of your life is I don't necessarily mean are you dealing with infertility for the rest of your life? That would be, I mean, in a way, in a way yes. God, who wants that? <laughs> but I mean, in a way, yes. If you're, if you're struggling through endometriosis, right. that is a lifelong battle. If, if you know, you have... Um, some medical procedures are permanent and, and they affect you forever. Um, in, a, in a way, we are medically affected forever. Yeah, me and you. For us, particularly on this podcast, the Infertility Feelings podcast, is what we're really concerned with is emotionally, mentally and emotionally, does infertility affect you for the rest of your life? Because obviously we know it's stressful and traumatic now, but let's fast forward and say we're 64 are we still still mm. affected by the emotional experience that we went through during infertility? Now, that's my question for you, Jesse. Are we still affected by infertility forever? 
Well, as the great Annie Ganahl, Dr. Annie Ganahl says from Anxiety Breakers, follow her on Instagram. She was on one of our previous episodes. She said, she always reminds me to say for some, like it doesn't, this is not an end all be all for every single person. And I think there's good, that's a good clarifying. She always tells me say for some, say for many, same, something like that. So I don't think that this is a hundred percent across the board, how every single person is going to feel. I want, I want a hundred (laughs) percent. No, (laughs) you're right. You're right. Keep going. So I, I, I answer this question with that caveat of like for many, I think people feel this way. I have heard time and time and time and again, people saying to me that they don't feel better after they get pregnant or they don't feel better after they have a baby or they still feel like, I have so many people on our Instagram tell me all the time, man, I wish I had this when I was going through it. And you know, I still have mm-hmm. feelings. I still feel like I'm infertile even I have two kids mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, they, so for many, yes, it can last a long time. Do I think that it's as intense? It can be mm. for a long time or forever. It can be, but I I do think that there is a, you know, not so intense quality that it can bring that only time can bring. If that makes sense. Uh-huh, it does. Yep. Here's how I like to describe it. If you had a car crash in your life, you that is a traumatic event a right, car crash right. and it can it can linger and give you PTSD right. and you know it can be extreme it could make you feel nervous every time you drive it could be something you barely think about but you think about in certain times in your life it could be something where you can't drive on the freeway anymore like there's different severities of trauma that a car crash can bring right for me i was in a car crash in high school i let my friend drive my car and she yeah. drove us into a wall it i was am perfectly, really a really bad one yeah it was really bad she destroyed my car <laughs> And destroyed my knee and my face. I was all scratched up. Luckily, everybody... And your teeth. And I forgot. It's because they've been fixed now. Because they've been fixed. And I lost two of my teeth. Fun fact, if you're, if you're listening to this episode <laughs> and you've gotten this far into the relationship with Jesse and I, Jesse has uh, fake front teeth. I do. My two right teeth. My two... Not my two front. Two right to the... Yeah, right they there. were just chipped. Now they're like, now they're gone. Yeah, now they're gone. They're, they're completely gone. Fake. <laughs> they're just fake teeth. So if you've been with me, us from the beginning, I did a whole little Instagram of my tooth. It <laughs> was great. Um, so I, and I still, exactly. I still have things that linger from that day, from that time yeah. of letting my friend who told me she knew how to drive stick. And then quickly I realized she didn't know how to drive stick and drew, drew her in a wall. But Everyone is fine. Everyone survived that was in the crash. Thankfully. Thankfully. But what's interesting is it was, how many feet would you say that was from my parents' house? A block. It was one block away. Block. Like not even. So I still, sometimes when I drive to my parents' house, will look a certain direction and think about that time and think about that car crash. My dad has told me many times that he has a hard time walking on that road sometimes Mm because he's flooded back with like, oh my gosh, Jesse could have died here because it was... It could have come yeah. to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think I think this, <laughs> this is a big example for what I'm saying, but it's like I think that's still with infertility is infertility is filled with all these little traumatic events, all these things mm-hmm. that are hard and difficult and unfair. Yeah. And it kind of like is a, it's a, a car crash in your life. You know what I mean? It's exactly. Like your life is going down this track and you were like, oh, okay, let's let's move to this next step. And then boom. It almost does feel like a, it's right. like it's a crashing. It's not a car crash, obviously, but right. there is a crashing sense right. where it's like things break and fall apart. Right. And 
I still think about my car crash. Do I think of it as intensely? No. Do I think of it every day? No. Mm-hmm. But I still have things that remind me and trigger me and from that day. And then I have people in my life that are triggered because of that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's a really important detail. So Doug and I were never able to have biological children of our own. And we have been, quote unquote, struggling with infertility for 10 years. And we did our IUI and IVF cycle about nine years ago, eight years ago. Um, and it was just interesting, probably six months ago, well, probably like more like a year ago, I am a hairdresser and I was walking in the back room and someone was cleaning their cut. They just, cause when you're a hairdresser, you cut your hands all the time. And she was cleaning her cut with an alcohol pad. And oh, you like the ones that you, yeah, the yeah. ones that you use to, to do like a shot, right? To do your shot in your stomach, those same alcohol pads. Mm. Oh my gosh. I was flooded back to that experience doing IUI, IVF. I had a visceral reaction. My palms right. are sweaty now. Right. Literally. <laughs> right. It's like I, I can think back on, on, it's like I am immediately thought, brought back all of those thoughts that I had. And then more importantly, the feelings that I had, the feeling of dread and the feeling of like, oh man, that time was so difficult and that time was so hard. So I think I would say that I'm on the quote unquote other side of my infertility journey. I have grieved a lot of it. I'm very open about that. Yeah but I still can be pot, plopped back right into all of those feelings and, and what happened in that time of my life. Yeah, okay, I have a follow-up question. Those two examples are, were very much so like you're triggered by some of these things that you remembered. Uh, do you feel like there are emotional repercussions in terms of like your decision-making and your, the way you live now? Like, are you, Do you make decisions sometimes with that infertility mindset? Yes. I think that I still have a very complicated relationship with hope. Anytime I'm quote unquote hopeful for something, I'm definitely like, oh, don't hope too much. Don't, don't hope too much. You're, you're going to be disappointed. It, it's not going to work out. Um, I can sometimes make rash decisions when it becomes to our children that we have now. I, th- I think that I can be anxious uh, not as much, but I've seen this with other people too. And people have been open and honest with me about how they were a very anxious parent after infertility because nothing could happen to them because the worst thing could have, could have happened, happened to them like a miscarriage or whatever. And now it's like, Oh, now they're living and breathing and nothing can happen to them. And that has happened to me too. I've shared an example in the past with our son at a pool one time, um, where we had a scare and I totally was like wrecked for a month in my head, completely like, and me and you were like, I think it's my infertility talking. Like, so it still can. I think it even, I think I've even seen it with one person of it. It, it can come out with even different children. Mm. One person, one child, she didn't struggle with infertility. And then the other one she did. And the other one, she has so much more fear of them dying or getting lost or all these things where she doesn't have it with the other child. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I think, and for me, I think hope is a very big ping. Where, where you'll say to me, I hope that works out. And I'll go, it probably won't in my brain. That's literally where I go. And then I have to tell my brain, no, hope can still exist. You can still be excited for something. And I have mm-hmm. to, I've, I've had to retrain my brain, but it always still goes there. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. like, I think both of us have a thing when it comes to hope that it's like, we have a hard time with hope when, you know, naturally when you hope for something there, it alludes to the fact that there's, you know, a chance that it it could not work out or there's a, you know, you want it to go one way and not another way. And that's totally normal. And we kind of deal with that in different ways, but going, having gone through infertility and having hoped for some, some, you know, monthly, like a 
reoccurring hope that comes and just never ends up happening. It really conditioned us when we think of the feeling of hope. Yeah. We think of the feeling of disappointment. They're almost associated yes. in our yes. minds. Yes. So that is something that I can't shake. That's not going to, that's not going to yeah. just go away. Can't cure, I mean, yeah, I kind of can't like, cure there, it. There really is this deep association with, I hope for something, which means I'm going to be disappointed. It's right. like they're almost attached in my mind. And so that like really preconditions us when, when from now, like even now in our, and even in little things, like I hope for something happens, like oh, that's not going to happen. It's like, oh my gosh, wow, we really are still affected by what that, what happened to us during then. Yeah. I agree. And I think that the part that I would say, quote unquote, can't be cured not can't be cured. That's probably too of a harsh thing, but it's like, we're probably always going to go to that default. We're yeah. always going to go to yeah. like, Oh, I hope that works out. And then both of our brains go, oh, but what we've learned is to retrain our brain. Once we have that to be like, it's okay to be excited about something. It's okay to want something to work out and be hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's the part where it's like, sometimes the default won't change, but you don't just want to stay in that default. Like, I just don't want to stay in like, now I can never have hope about anything and, you know, it never works out for me and become this like victim. It's like, that's, and then that is where you have to have a turning point. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about later of like, how do you do that? That turning point to, to, okay, your default is to be hopeless. How do you have hope still in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we're, I think we're kind of coming to this point where, I mean, we already knew, we, are, we already know this, but hopefully you're starting to see even in this conversation Infertility affects you in the moment that you're in it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it affects you right, you know, afterwards. But th there's, for some, a good chance that you're going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And some of these things that you've dealt with and gone through are still going to affect you. It's, it's difficult, but it's the reality for so many people. I agree. And for us on a personal note of... I think one way that it is still affecting us is every time that I've wished for something to go um, one way when it comes to growing our family, it's always gone the other way, which I wouldn't change any of it for anything. I love our family. I love that. But now Doug and I are sitting down and being like, do we want to have more kids come into our life? And I feel like I am so lost and I would say that is my infertility still yeah. all that hope and disappointment and then hoping for something and then it going different, which I love the way that it went different. I just don't know what I even want. All my desires and views of what I thought my family was going to look like are different. And I don't, I'm almost lost to any desire. I think for me, it's complicated a lot of parts of my life and I've had to, you know, realize that, you know, my default when it comes to some things is going to be negative and I've had to retrain my brain to be like, okay, your default is to go negative. Your default is to do a victim. How can I change that? How can I, you know, not necessarily change my default, but, you know, change that and have hope again and have all these, have all this hope and happiness again. What would you say, Doug? How would you answer that question? Does infertility last forever? I would say it absolutely does. The, the effects of infertility last for some. Forever. For some. For some. <laughs> forever. <laughs> for many. For some. For many, I would say forever. And I think it goes back to, and it's tied to the fact that for many people, what we experience during our journey of infertility is a lot of trauma, you know, and there, there is a whole spectrum of what that looks like. Some people, 
um, go through some things and it's they remember it as a difficult time and it, it's not, it's triggering but it's it's not debilitating there are some people and i think for a lot of us this has not been a good time and it hasn't been a short time mm-hmm. it's been a bad time for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's been years and a long road of it being traumatic that's just not going to go away and i think my view of how infertility affects us for a long time is is based on really the psychological understanding that traumatic events affect us for a very long time they don't just you don't just get over trauma that's just that's just not how it works i wish it was i wish you could go through something traumatic whether in your childhood or your adolescence or your adulthood and just get over it. you know I, like i you know i wish people could go to war and you know fight and experience all these horrific things and then as soon as they come back and they spend a couple days in San Diego they're like ah you know feel great solved I think I figured it out you know a little bit of sunshine vitamin D and I'm good it's just not how it works it's it just takes longer and it takes a dedicated plan and it takes a dedicated practice and skill really of get of of growing to deal with the traumatic events that we've gone through. So I just I just don't think it's ever going to happen that way. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where enough time has passed to allow the things that we've gone through, even in our life, like the, the experiences we've had in infertility, I don't think enough time will pass to where we're not affected by them. Because, like I said, there is a sense of reconditioning that happened to us and re, uh, we associated things wrongly during infertility, and now we're stuck with those. We're stuck with those. We have to go. We have to mm. go back in and work our way through them because now it's changed us forever. And now this, in a way, is the new way that we are. Mm-hmm. On a personal level, how do you feel like it's still affecting you? When I think about our family, and when I think about us, um, like. It working, if that makes sense. When I think about like getting the things that we want and mm-hmm. having our family be the thing that we want, and even with the the work that we do and and the passion that we have, there is a sense of desperation that yeah. that I associate associated with infertility. Mm-hmm. That that you know when it was like we we're growing up and we were like kind of trying to get pregnant, trying to you know do the whole thing in the beginning. It was like let's see where life leads and mm-hmm. I'm an open book and mm-hmm. God write your story on my life. You know, I was right. like, that was just like very much so the, the attitude that Almost I Almost like acting like, I'll sacrifice. Or like, I'm so for, open to whatever life yeah, throws exactly. at me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so unselfish when it comes to this area. Like I will love anything that comes to me yeah. and you know, okay, we'll have two kids and yeah. just like so funny. It's like you, get kind of high horsey. I so thought of myself as like a free spirit. Like, totally. I'm just like, I'm just like, go where the wind blows me. And then it was like, the wind just kept blowing yeah. me into the eye of a storm. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to do a like, hurricane. Stop blowing the wind. Right. <laughs> it was like, I will f- now, I learned this like resistance against the way things were going. Right. Where it was like, I really, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm open to whatever. But then I kept ending up in these positions where it was like, I hate this. So right. I, I felt like I started to associate this like way of life that I had to have mm-hmm. with my future where it was like, well, if I want to have kids, I have to fight for it. Right. You know, I have to fight through everything. I have to fight for this. I have to fight for that. And if it doesn't work out, it's like this frantic panic that I have. That is still part of me. Like that is, it's mm-hmm. now not something that happened to me during infertility. It is part of me. It's mm-hmm. part of who I am. Mm-hmm. 
because it like imprinted upon me during that time where it's like when I think about doing anything, um, doing something for the community, um, growing uniquely knitted, mm-hmm. uh, working and doing anything. Right. I, there's this like sense of desperateness. There's a sense of desperateness that I have to um, talk about with people and be open about right. because, and I think I've grown a lot in this area and that's hopefully why we can help to talk with you guys about it. Um, but it, it, I have to acknowledge that, that like infertility taught me that it taught me that sense of desperateness. So my, my thoughts are if you've been through something traumatic, you can't just get over it. You right. just can't. It's just not the way even our brains work. It's not the way like psychology works. You just don't just get over these traumatic things. But what we can do is we can become resilient in that process. Hey-o. Hey-o. <laughs> we can, we can learn a new way of growing forward. It's not like the things in the past are just going to go away and kind of like blow away in the wind. But what we can do is we can become the type of person that knows how to get back up. Yes. Become the ty- type of person who can live with and understand that they've been through traumatic things. And when they're triggered, when these things come back up, when we need to deal with the things that have happened in our past, we use the community around us, we use the people around us to meet our needs and become a resilient, growing person. I don't think the answer is allowing enough time to go by to where we get over it. I think the answer is right now, when you're going through infertility or wherever you're at right now, today's the best day, to be start to become a more resilient person so that you can deal with whatever life throws at you instead of just kind of, you know, trying to manicure and curate your life to where nothing bad happens. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're already bummed out. Like this things are already <laughs> not going the way you want them to. That's not funny, but But yeah. it's true. It's like yeah. you're already like well, this isn't what I want. Like, you know, you have right. some type or you know someone who's gone through something like this and you're like Please, uh, I want something to be better to happen. I, w- there's no magic words that we're going to say right now. There's right. no amount of time that's going to pass by. You have to enter into this journey of becoming a more resilient person. Which brings us to the most exciting point of the day is that Uniquely Knitted is launching a program called Building Resilience. And we have been working on this for a long time. Oh no, getting emotional. (laughs) We've been working on this for a really long time and working with a team of therapists to help us write this program. And I think the big thing that I would want to express is we're really doing this because we know with a group of therapists, we feel like we know how to help. I feel like we have like a you know, a floaty, if you will, of like, you're in a pool. (laughs) Infertility is in a pool drowning and we have a floaty that we can float out to you for some help and help you, you know? So I, I just really believe in this program and I, um, I'm just really, really excited to finally launch it. And, you know, we filmed this way back in November of 2020 and, um, it is March (laughs) 2021. (laughs) So, I mean, we've been working on this and this is one of our ideas that we had at the, that in the, is it inception or conception very, of infertility? Very beginning. Very beginning. <laughs> very beginning of Uniquely Knitted. And I'm just so excited to finally see it come to fruition. And yeah. From, like you said, from the very beginning, Uniquely Knitted has had this desire to give back to the infertility community. Yes. And we really, there's no other way that we know how to do it. There's no other way that we know how to build resilience in people besides just being with people 
and walking through it. There's no really, I mean, there's yeah. there's no magic course you can take. There's no magic video you can watch. There's no um, like PDF you can read. You have to get connected with people and do it. It includes a lot of things that you watch and read and like that's all part of it, but you really have to practice it and process it with people. And the reason that we built it, this program that we have in this way is that we want to be with you while you go through these steps of building resilience. They're based on, not to be a nerd, but a little bit here, they're based on some of the things that we build during our developmental years. And just the quick thought on what it means to be resilient is a resilient person exercises their developmental skills to meet their needs in community. That's kind of like my quick definition of what I would say (laughs) it means to be resilient is it's someone who who knows how to get back up, you know, it's like bounce back. And there's a lot of like mysteriousness that is like, how do people do that? I think it is they exercise their developmental skills to meet their needs in community. These developmental skills you learn while you're growing up, you know? You learn through your attachments to your parents. You learn through your ability to set boundaries and watch people set boundaries and take ownership in their life. And as you go through infertility and you get knocked down by all these things that are going on in your life, your ability to get yourself back up through getting your needs met in community with one another is your ability to be resilient these pains that you go through in infertility are not going to just go away. We need to get back up from them. And we do that in community. And we do that by exercising our developmental needs. That's why we built this program yeah. was we just thought, man, people are not just going to know this. No, no. one, no one is like, you know, the amount of time that we've spent with PhD licensed therapists talking about resilience is insane. And you know, exhausting. We could write a book. <laughs> But after all of this, us going, there's no way people are going to know how to do this. Right. And then it's they're in the middle of it. Right. There's no way they're just going to go, okay, I'm going to also do all of this work to learn how to do this. So we thought we got to let's put people together who are going through the same thing and we will teach them these skills of developmental psychology and we will practice it with one another because they got enough on their plate. They don't Mm -hmm. need to figure this out at the same time. We will help them with this area. I think too also when you're starting your infertility journey and you're in the midst and you're in the midst of it, you have no idea how to get help and there's no way to prepare for it. There's no way to prepare for it. Right, It really comes upon you quickly. It happens to you. It happens to you. It is a luck of the draw. (laughs) Uh, e draw, but it's a leg of the draw. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, you know, you get into this infertility journey and so many people get lost, myself included, get lost and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know if I should take a break. And this, this program is to help you do your infertility journey better, quote unquote, be better, be more resilient, be able to, um, and that doesn't mean to not feel pain. We're going to talk about a lot of painful things and hard things in our journey and where we've come from, but it's all about kind of, you know, doing it better and having more resilience and being able to, I love what you said, cause actually we're doing a group right now. We're doing our first group, um, right now and we're really excited. And I love what you said in the first group, you said something about like being resilient is not about like you learn it as a little kid. Say that example of like, you said, you said, when you fall down, when you're a kid, you, you're, you're looking around for someone to help pick you back up and you're looking around to go, I need help. And that is resilience is when an adult or whoever caretaker comes and picks you up and kisses your boo-boos. Non-resilient people would fall down and just stay down 
or get up themselves. That's not resilience. Right. Resilience doesn't just mean survival. You know, exactly. I think sometimes we're tempted to think that people think like, well, they've lived through so much, but right. maybe then the quality of their life is horrible because right. they're completely traumatized and they've lived so long and, and they've survived so long because they're in this fight, flight or freeze. Maybe, maybe they're just stuck in this fight mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, they really live a, I have a, po- a more poor quality of life because sure they survived, but they are sur- only surviving because they're treating the world as this gladiatorial kill or be killed arena, which is not, a, we don't want that for people. That's not resilience no, to me. No. That's survival, you know? Right, right. So I think resilience is something deeper. It's yeah. the ability to say, I have fallen and I'm going to use the, the, the relational attachments that I have to get myself back up and, and heal in a way that I can be restored again. That is brilliant. That little piece. I never heard that example like that until we were doing our group. Yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't even know if it's that popular of an opinion. I think some, I yeah. mean, I read an article yesterday of like, how are some people so resilient? And it was all about survival. And I'm like, right. I, I agree. Some people are survivalist. Right. Sure. Right. And you could incorporate that in the topic of resilience. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I would hope that it would mean something more. Yeah. I hope to not get to the end of my life and think I survived. Right. You know, it's like, that's, I didn't let anybody in or it's like, I just, I just survived. It's like, I look, my heart it. is still br- beating. It's like, well, I was miserable every day, right. <laughs> but, but I survived. It's like, right. I, I want more for people. Right. Would you say that we truly believe that in community, it is better than being isolated? I think you have to be in community. I agree. I think, I, I think you, for many, you can, <laughs> for many, <laughs> for uh, some. From, from time to time, from for ta- many, <laughs> I, I think, um, you can exist in isolation, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think probably one of the biggest problems on planet Earth is isolation. I agree. I think you can only isolate if you're properly attached because the isolation as seen as a good, not a bad. Right. There's plenty of reasons in our life to understand that, you know, if forced isolation, isolation from deficiency is not a good. It's not good. It's not a good. It's not a good. <laughs> um, and... It doesn't, it's not, it does not, it's not even experienced as a good, you know? Right. When you're going through an isolation because you have to go through an isolation and you're isolated because you're afraid and you're isolated because you're in pain, you're not experiencing that as an opportunity. But if you are properly attached, you are properly cared for, and you are getting your needs met, and I, isolation may be an opportunity to get away, to recount to recalibrate but we can trick ourselves into thinking like i just like to be isolated right but in reality it's because we're in pain and all these things right right so for us what we what our vision is that we would partner with people who are going through their infertility journey to help them in the category of resilience jesse and i are not we're not medical experts and when we started uniquely knitted it was our goal believe it or not was not to um we don't have this like magical thing that we could help you do to, to get pregnant um, yeah. We hope that for everyone, we hope that everyone yeah. ends up where they're supposed to be. Our hope is that this season of your life doesn't become a reoccurring nightmare 50 years down the road, right. 20 years down the road. No matter where you end up, we want you to be able to practice the skills of resilience so that you, you have a greater sense of mental health right. throughout the rest of your life. That is our contribution through Uniquely Knitted. Yes. And, and we do it through these programs. A little bit about what they are. Yeah. Six weeks of meeting together. You, we, we are teaching you some of the developmental psychology side through videos and, you know, handouts and stuff. I think that part's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool to know the, like the, 
material side of it, like the what's really going on the cycle, like what's going on inside my head, why 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 is this important? What I'm what's happening to me? Right. But then I think the really the, the magical part is that we meet together over over Zoom mm-hmm. or over you know in person maybe someday who knows. But when we meet together, we actually do the practice of caring for one we another. We connect in our grief. Yes, we connect we in connection. our grief. Yes. Yeah, we connect over our pain and the things that we've gone through and we begin to pour into one another and build each other up exactly what you need to do when you're going through an experience like this, but it's hard to do with your mothers and your brothers and your it's, right. it's just hard to do. So we're like, well, we'll just get together and do we'll do it here first so that you can start to practice it elsewhere. And I think that's what people think of like, okay, I can do it with someone that has my shared grief. That's why I think in a group, it's a great place to start when you have the shared grief. Everyone in the group that we're doing now has a shared grief infertility, but our stories are not right. the same. Right. We are not the same. We, and, and it's gone down a million different paths. So that's basically, we're, we're connecting on the grief so that you can go in your community and find whatever grief that person has had mm-hmm. and connect with them on that. That's the skill. So we're, we're connecting in grief in a really quote unquote easier way because we all have shared grief. Our, our grief is the same. And then we're teaching you that skill so you can go and find other people because like, everyone in their life has felt hopeless before. And that's one of the things with infertility. So it's like we're hoping to teach you to connect with your mother-in-law, cousin, friend, coworker in that. That's what you're connecting on is that shared feeling of grief or hopelessness or whatever. And so it doesn't have to be the exact same quote unquote grief. It could be that their parents got a divorce when they were seven and that's their grief in their life. It could be that, you know, this person died or whatever, or, you know, they got held back five times or whatever it is in their life. Maybe speaking from experience, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but enough about me. Uh, but you know, that's, that's the skill that we're teaching you is, is to be able to use that in your community to connect on that grief. Yeah. that said, well, Uh, I think it makes total sense. And and I think the, the, the thing that makes what we're doing, I think different than a lot, a lot of the different support groups out there, which are all great. Everyone should be in a support group, whatever you're We're involved with infertility unfiltered. We speak at their six week support group. every We we love and are huge fans of other support groups. Everyone should be in a support group. Yeah. But I think the the difference of what we're doing is that you're not going to automatically uh, just grow and learn in these developmental skills. The skills that we're going to talk about are being present in your reality, living in your, uh, the, the psychological word is like uh, re- the, the association with reality, right? Like being able to be integrated into our reality. You know, that's a really tough one. We, we talk about attachments, but for us, that looks like the relationships that we're in. We talk about boundaries and separation, My favorite setting boundaries, setting and setting boundaries and being able to have the, the developmental skill of, uh, of separation. But we also talk about ownership at the end, talking about how do we really truly take ownership over our lives and the outcome of our, of our infertility, uh, which is the, the skill of being able to achieve mutuality with people. I don't think... We're just going to randomly stumble upon these things in our no. conversation. No. Nobody really thinks about them. You learn them, and you don't talk about them when you're growing up, but you learn them just through being with adults and being raised by people. But we don't spend a lot of time going back and analyzing these attach- these developmental attachments that we have. So we're like, okay, 
we're putting a lot of stress and pressure on our ability to do these things because of what we're going through, the traumatic events we're going through. We need to investigate a little bit and we need to practice in a very practical way how to engage these things and get our needs met. I, we've been in a million support groups. We love, they're great. And we've been in a million groups and mm-hmm. a million church groups, all these types of things. It's, it doesn't just naturally happen. We are predispositioned to sit on the top of our stories and never really enter yes. into them. And we're, we're just, we have this gut reaction to just kind of be surfacey or, or tell people what we're going through, but not really enter Trickle into, truth. not really Jesse enter, <laughs> not really enter into the nitty gritty and the guts of what we've been through. And then in turn, to ask for people to meet our needs yes. and to ask for people to journey with us. It's just, you need someone to help you with it. Yeah. We realize that everyone going through infertility needs this. So that's why we created this. We're hoping to partner with a local clinic near you or a local uh, community of faith near you or just find you on the internet. Um, but, find you on but, the internet. But we want you to be in a group. We want you to be in a group at least one time as you go through infertility to learn these skills, to figure out how to care for yourself in this way so that you can begin the journey of resilience and be a person that can bounce back for the rest of your life. We are so excited to see you there. Um, as far as our podcasts go, we will be, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break and coming back in April as well. April's going to be a busy month and it's my birthday. So we're coming back after Easter. Yeah. We're coming back after Easter. So, um, yeah, thank you with, for with listening. With new and improved stuff on the podcast. It'll be bigger and better yes, than ever. Yes, and I have ever. some ideas. I literally was thinking about that. We just did an Instagram question about what you guys want to hear, and two big ones was infertility and sex, which I think Ooh. that could be number one episode. Yep. And number two is I had this idea of everyone talks about friends, How do you? Mm-hmm. which is what we're going to talk about in our course and teaching you how to get your friends involved in your story and stuff like that. But I thought it'd be so cool. What if I sat around with my girlfriends and we just Ooh, talked great. about having an infertile friend, what ways they did, how they do it, you know, all those things. So it's going to be a great season next season. I'm really excited. I have some really good ideas. We are, <laughs> we are always trying to support you, yeah. support your life as you go through infertility. We know so many people are just getting beat up by this season of their life. We've been through it. We care for you. We want what's best for you. So everything that we do, we do it uniquely knitted is for you. And thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast or if you enjoy the sound of Jesse's voice, don't forget I mean, to subscribe and leave us a review. Uh, you could do four, three, two, one, five stars, whatever you think. <laughs> no, if you do a one star, just DM me and tell me what you don't like. I'd rather do that. <laughs> we love you all. It's so fun to talk to you. We'll see you after Easter. I hope that all of you today go and sign up for a group as soon as possible. Have a great weekend. We love you guys.